Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fantasy for the Ages, father and son show. Zach and I get together to talk about fantasy, science fiction, and all other nerdy stuff we want to talk about. This is not my son. You've seen this guy before, uh, but this is something kind of different we're doing because not only is this fantasy for the ages, but it's also... Uh... <laughs> Almost said friends talking fantasy. <laughs> no, they, they've got a copyright on that one, dude. <laughs> but it is a couple of friends talking fantasy it today. It is a couple of friends talking fantasy. Uh, but yeah, it is also uh, the Fantasy Files podcast. That's the name of it. Okay. There it is. There it is. <laughs> You've done how many episodes now? I mean, come on. You should remember that. We're name. at 75 now. Oh, man. Yeah. We, we think we'd be more professional. <laughs> practice makes perfect you still have time yeah and uh you did also see hank yes. super hank the super dog <laughs> you may hear hank somewhere along the way here too yeah uh we are live on location here at spence's place uh i'm just coming through for work and we decided hey let's get together let's do an episode mm. let's talk content and specifically you know we thought we'd talk about books because you know we never talk about books in either of our shows right before we do that though on my show we always talk about what we're drinking oh. so uh i'm drinking something today and i got it from you that's right yeah so yeah. what are we drinking today uh this is and I, I don't know much about it but it's the sixth sense wine um do you do you know what michael david michael winery david. from okay. lodi california i used to live in lodi right which okay. is why i know about it yeah yeah, I, I really like this. Again, I don't know. I'm just starting to get into wine. Yeah. But I just like how kind of fruity it is. Right. There's lots right. of different tastes to it. Well, um, and it is a blend. Okay. Now, it, oh, it said it was a Syrah on the bottle. Mm -hmm. Is it still a blend, though? It's a blend of six different Syrahs. Oh. The sixth sets. I didn't they know. Have name, they have play with their names like that. So, okay. yeah, yeah. Very cool. It's tasty. Yeah. Tastier because you learned something about red wine earlier today. Yeah, apparently it's not supposed to go in the fridge. <laughs> you can store red wine in the fridge after you've opened it to prolong it. But when you drink your red wine, it should be closer to uh, room temperature. Yeah. Hi, Hank. Hey. <laughs> so uh, as we talk about books here today, we thought we'd do something kind of fun. You know, there's so many things to read out there and somehow a person has to figure out what to read. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's lots of ways you can get recommendations. I mean, you can just walk into a bookstore and look at, well, that looks good. It's got a good cover. It might be fun. Uh, you can, you know, go on Twitter, watch booktube, booktube for sure. You can watch our shows. We'll tell you mm -hmm. what to what to read. Yeah. Um, but honestly, the best way is when someone makes a recommendation, someone mm. who I know uh, they like books, like I like books. And so some of the things I've enjoyed over the last couple of years are things you recommended to me. Mm. Like I just finished recently, the wayward, well, wayward pines trilogy by Blake yeah. Crouch, which funny story here. And we're going <laughs> to do, we're going to do an episode on that trilogy very soon together. But I'll spill it here now. He's raving about this this series. You got to read this series. So I read the series and then find out. Oh yeah, he stopped after book one. Yeah. Now you're on book three I, now. Yeah, I just finished book two and I'm I'm into <laughs> book three. Um, 
And yeah, I think it was just one of those things where like, I love the first book and I had every intention of continuing. And you were telling everybody, yeah, this is great, you guys. It's a hot tip. I was like, <laughs> you gotta check this out, gotta check this out. And then just like other stuff with the podcast kind of came along and got yeah. distracted. Yeah. But I'm back now and let me tell you, Oh, it's good. I love it's good. book two. Book two is so good. <laughs> I, now, I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag just a little bit. This will be, in case you're worried, uh, a spoiler light episode like we usually sure. do in Fantasy for the Ages. We're not going to ruin any books we're talking about here today. And I'll tell you a little bit more about how this is structured in a moment. But I'll say with that trilogy, book three is not the best book of the trilogy. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's still a good book because yeah. it wraps up the story right. well okay? okay it lands it well but there's so many reveals and the big mysteries are really mostly out after book two that's kind of what i thought yeah yeah so it just lacks some of that punch right. of, oh, you know right. there's still a little bit to be discovered in book three yeah but there's a lot of real good tie-ups he does land the plane okay he does cool. it, it's good all right so what we have in mind for this episode, what we're going to do, dear viewers, is we're going to take turns pitching books or book series at each other, saying, okay, this is something I've read that you haven't, and here's why you should read it. Mm. And so we'll give, you know, the, the slightest little idea of what the book's about. Mm. No plot ruins, okay? And I've got a list of 12 different things. I'm going to toss it him, and you're going to do the same to me. Mm. We'll go back and forth. And then at the end of this time, uh, Spencer's going to take a look at the 12 that I pitched at him, and he's going to pick three. Yeah, I pick three, yeah. Okay. And then I will, from the three he selected, I get to pick one of them, and he has to read it. Yeah. And he's going to do the same thing for me. Now, so what are we saying about this commitment? Is it in, like, the next... like Fair I, question. My, Fair question. My idea is that within the next... One to two months. We I like that. I like that. Okay. So we're recording this in mid-May. Mm -hmm. So by July 15th. Okay. It's literally May 15th, isn't it? No, it's May yeah. 16th. Close yeah. enough. So by <laughs> July 15th, and we'll have to get together again yeah. and talk about what did we think. Right. Yeah, awesome. Definitely. Right. Now we're going to go into the, the joint episode here now. So... For those of you watching, wherever you catch this now, I did an intro, he did an intro, Somehow now we're doing the blend, okay? <laughs> so if you suddenly saw a blip on, on my video, it's because, well, yeah, I edited him out. Right. But we still love him. It's all good. <laughs> all right, so 12 books each, or series in some cases. Wait, are you recommending whole series? In some cases. <laughs> but you know if you end up having to read the series i'd only hold you to book one but i would sure, only recommend okay. something so good you'd want to read the right. whole series okay. yeah that's fair though i do know how you roll now you'd read book one and then wait a year right <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> and then have to read it again because you forgot what was that first book yeah right uh, yeah all right <laughs> pitch something at me what you got okay so I'm going to start with a banger. We got Empire of the Vampire, and I'm going to hand this over to you. I brought these down this. so that you could look at them in person. See, now, I have an out on this. We're at his house. I don't have the physical books, right. yes. so I'll be putting images of my books into my video. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm just a little bit better. Um, I so, like the cover. Yeah. Nice. So basically what this book is about is that is Gabriel de Leon on the cover, 
And I know it looks... It looks like out of a romance novel, man. Right. So... I mean, look at this. Oh, you can't. In my, in my screen. Oh. Uh, he's buff. He's yeah, totally buff. Right. He's like a half-naked <laughs> vampire guy. And so... So, I'm just turning off the background because I want them to see what the buff guy. Yeah. Okay. So I know that, you know, you could look at that and think like, oh, this must be some sort of romance or some sort of YA. It could not be. And it quoted V.E. Schwab. Yeah, that doesn't go in your favor, man. Yeah. Because so, I've read her. And yeah, romance. I, I haven't read any V.E. Schwab. Well, the one that's referenced, know. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I'm not pitching that to you, but that's a good book. Oh, is it? Okay. It is, okay, even cool. though there's romance. Okay. So yeah, this is not in any way romance. Of course, like okay. every fantasy book, there is like a romantic like subplot. And that's okay. But, yeah, subplot. Sub, yeah. Sub. This is like dark, like grim dark. Now you're talking, and, it says book one. Yeah. So Okay, this, so you're doing this, series two, buddy. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's part of a series. <laughs> Remember, I'm a completionist. Right. If you pitch book one at me, you just pitched how many? Well, this is the only one that's out so far. Oh, now that's cruel. Because yeah. if I like it... Yeah, but the next one is coming out in a couple months. So. And that'll be the end of the series? No, it'll probably be a trilogy or something. See how he's doing me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is grimdark. It's set in a world where uh, the sun has gone down basically forever, as far as I can Ooh, remember. Like It's right. kind of like a... Uh, do you remember the movie... 30 days of 30 days night. of night yes, yeah that, great that, movie it's, it's kind of that situation where the sun does not come out at okay. all and vampires have come Whee! about and free rain know, yeah after after the sun went away they're like oh we can come out from like our mountains and stuff mm -hmm. and so this guy gabriel de leon and the rest of his crew he, he kind of it follows him from a young man and he makes his way into this almost like a guild, like it's this secret order of people that protect all the other humans against the vampires and okay. stuff. They're called the Silver Saints. And he gets these tattoos all over him that protect him. They're they're made out of silver, like the actual ink is silver. And okay. they basically hunt vampires and stuff. But at some point, his order got completely wiped out and he's the only one left. Ooh. and they killed a bunch of people that he cares about. That's not a spoiler. It's just something that's said <laughs> at the beginning of the book. They kill a lot of people he cares about, and so now he is just a broken man on a revenge mission. And Got nothing to lose. Yeah, and we are following through the following him through this super dark world. Okay. Like it's it's okay. probably one of the darker books I've read. All right. And, All right. Uh, and we're just... We're just following him as he indulges his rage and brokenness. And it's really, really good, man. I, right. And, and the, here's the, the Jay Kristoff, his prose. I don't know if you're really into prose. But Sometimes his, if it's really spectacular. Otherwise, yeah. I don't even notice. Yeah, his prose is really, really good. And I think you'll be surprised by his, how he uses swear words. They are so creative. Like, I did Are they not... real swear words or are they yeah. in world swears? Yeah, like you effing blah, blah, blah. Oh, he does. All right. And, He's all in. Yeah. And so he pieces certain words together where it's like, I had no idea those three words could be used in the same <laughs> sentence. Creative, um, colorful metaphors. Yes, exactly. So it's a lot of fun to read. It's it's funny in that way. Like, it is dark, but it's got little veins of humor. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think you'd like it. All right. There's first one. All right, my first one for you. I, I've been raving this one to anybody who will listen to me. Uh, zombie Fallout. 
That's right. By Mark yeah. Tufo. Okay. Uh, Mark's a great guy. Just had him on for an author episode recently and so much fun talking to him. Uh, it is a series of 20 books now. Holy shit. But each one <laughs> is a quick read and on its own is just delightful. And in fact, when he wrote Zombie Fallout, he intended it to be a standalone. Oh, wow. But he had so much fun and writing off, it yeah. that he was just like, I think I'll write more. Why not? Yeah. And he literally ends the series at book 17. And then he's like, huh. Figure out more. You know, I want, I want to do more. And so he figured out a way to tell more stories without undoing anything. I mean, right. the story, it's all logical. And okay. so 18, 19, 20, it's like, oh, that was that was classic how you pulled that off, that you yeah. can tell us more stories about this character. All right, so it is a zombie apocalypse tale, but it is not your typical zombie apocalypse tale. I was just about to ask this because a lot of zo whenever I hear zombie stuff, I uh -huh. think B movie, and you start to glaze over. Yeah. I'm not going to like this. Right. This is not that. Zombie Fallout is basically the story of just Joe Schmo, regular guy, a dad with a little bit of a dad bod, even maybe <laughs> you know, who's got some uh, teenage and even almost grown kids that are still living at the house or in the area and a, and a wife he loves and stuff. And what do they do when a zombie apocalypse actually does happen? Right. And uh, it kind of gives you uh, a picture of how you might survive, you know, just right. you and me, if it happened, not, you know, Mad Max out there doing okay. stuff, a regular guy, but humor is just flowing through all the way through okay. primarily because it's a character driven story. Okay. So yes, there's zombies and there's other things. There's, there's vampires. Oh. There's werewolves. There's demons and ghosts. So all the, all the supernatural came out during, there's a lot of things eventually show up. You don't get okay. all that in book one. Okay. Okay. But everything that does show up, it's done great. It's logical when it does come okay. in and it's somewhat unique in the way he does it in this series. But still what the core of the series is, is the main character, Mike Talbot, and his family, and then his family's friends. And the relationships they have amongst each other as they try to navigate the chaos that falls about them. And I think what I enjoy about the series the best is this is a dude who, when stuff gets really hard and, and stressful, yeah. he becomes a wise-ass. Okay. I mean, he he cracks jokes at the worst horrible moment. He gets sarcastic. He makes the, the dumbest statements because that's how he deals with stress. Right. And I know people like that. I'm like that. Right. When yeah. the odds are tough, I'm going to say something stupid and funny right. and make people laugh. And he does this. And the kind of people he attracts are just like him. But his wife thinks he's an idiot for these moments. And, right. and so there's banter that plays through all of this stuff all the time. Okay. And it makes it a very delightful read. Okay, cool. Um, the author, again, Mark Tufo, he said, you can read chapter one of the first book. If you get his his way of writing, you get his humor, then keep reading because you've got it all. That, that's what it is. What you okay. see in chapter one is what you're going to get for 20 books. Okay, interesting. Um, and I was captivated right away. I was also kind of like, ew, what? Oh, yeah. And when you read it, you'll get it. So is it the kind of thing where you said it starts out as like a suburban deal where it's just these normal people? Yep. By the end, when when you get to book 20 or 17 or whatever, 
has the main character like completely transformed in a way that's like, oh, he's a badass now? Yes and no. I mean, there are some ways that he has developed and and at the same time, there are ways he's still the same Mike Talbot that he was in the beginning. Okay. But there is still a journey. Characters right. take a journey. They do grow. Yeah. And But I think there's more of the characters around him who change more than he himself does. Okay. But uh, his driving force is not to survive zombies, to kill zombies. His driving force is protect his family. Got it. Okay. You know, and everything he does is motivated by that. And then the world just goes nuts around him. Right. Okay. So, Very yeah. Cool. Strong recommend. Okay. Zombie Fallout. Zombie Fallout. Who's that by? Mark Tufo. Mark Tufo. Great guy. Awesome. Lovely main accent. Check out our episode. Talking to him. It's a hoot. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So next I have The Lies of Locke Lamora. All right. This is on my TBR already. Yeah. So... You're pitching it, and what? you're going to tell me a bit about it. Yeah. But I definitely already want to read this one. Yes. Okay. So okay, this cool. is not twisting my arm on this one. Sweet. So I, I'm curious now, how far down on the TBR is it currently? This is by the end of next year. Okay. If not, if not later this year. Okay. The problem is I'm reading some stuff this year that's going to take a lot of time. Right. So this is probably next year currently. But Zach is reading these right now he's, oh he did this one he's on book three book. the republic of thieves republic is that of it thieves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the one he's i think he's almost finished okay cool yeah yeah so these are a favorite of mine uh lock lamora is just i hear um, he's a real bastard yeah yeah but a bit of a gentleman he's a about gentleman it. bastard yeah um <laughs> so yeah these uh i mean you've you've probably heard a lot of it from from your son reading it he, he's part of this group of thieves and when you see them at the beginning, he's uh, a little kid and it kind of shows how he's getting into this guild and then he's sold off to a different guild. And there's kind of this whole underground network of uh, criminals in the city of Kamor. And so you have multiple crews of these, you know, thieving groups and, and stuff like that. You have these multiple groups and the thing that distinguishes this from like other books that are similar mm -hmm. is this thieving group is very much a family. Like these people are brothers and sisters and they are so close to each other. And so that's kind of like the driving force. Do they also drive each other nuts? Like yeah, family? of course. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's kind of like the driving force of the books is how is the relationship between these characters specifically Locke and john they're like best friends but yeah lies of Locke lamora as like let's call it like the first the standalone first book mm -hmm. it is you're basically watching a heist but it's not your typical you know um oceans 11 kind of heist okay. this is a long con against a member of the nobility and they're disguising themselves as brandy uh distributors and they are trying to get him to sign on with their company and okay. take him for all so, he's so worth. it's a con game. Yes, it's a long con. All right. And there's lots of really great twists and turns. There's not a whole lot of magic. There, There is magic, but it's really kind of vague, and you don't okay. really see a whole lot of it. But when you do, it's like, holy shit, that was brutal. <laughs> and so, 
You know, I, I really like it for, for those reasons. And I think that you would be super surprised by the ending. I, I don't think a lot of people see it coming. Okay. And really it's mostly it's about the characters though. Like the, I would say the first book has a great story and characters and so do the second and third books in my opinion, but I know a lot of people don't really like the actual plot points of two and three. Okay. But the interesting thing is that book one builds up these characters so well that you won't care and you will just want to see whatever they do next because right. what the author does is creates these amazing characters and then he just throws them into random situations into crazy out of this world situations for two and three. And it's just a lot of fun. Now I see a pattern here because mm. uh, this is a series mm -hmm. that's not done. Well, yeah. Okay. You did it to me again. <laughs> see, see, this is what he's doing. So I, I got gotcha. you. Do you have a problem reading stuff that's not finished? I love to read things? things when they're done. I, I oh. do because then I can just go through and get the whole story. But it, it, I'm growing. Yeah. I, you know, I can, I read the Dresden Files. They're yeah. not done. You know, okay. I, I'm growing. So. so I will say the first book, like, could be read as a standalone, 100%. Like, you could read the first book and never go on to any of the others, and it would work just as well. But it would haunt me. It, it would haunt, haunt me. me. You'd, you'd want more of the <laughs> Okay, my next pitch. Uh, the Tragedy of Sedane. Hmm. A series that's still being written, so now I'm doing it to you, <laughs> uh, by John Palladino. Okay. Uh, so John's a friend now. I met him just because he's writing books, and I got to read his first book. The Trials of Ashmount. Oh, so that's that the, the one you're called? definitely okay. committing to okay, if, yeah. if you go with this one. Yeah. The Trials of Ashmount. Uh, trust me, when you read The Trials of Ashmount, you will immediately want to read the next book. Okay. Uh, which is Buzzard's Bowl. Comes out June 1st. So when this drops on my channel, it won't be out yet. But I'm almost done reading it because I know people. Right. <laughs> but, and it is a worthy, worthy sequel. Fantastic. This is Grimdark. Okay. Although the first book is more jokingly, we kind of call it Grim Hope. Okay. It's like it, it's dark, and yet it has moments of light, you right. know. And then you get to Buzzard's Bowl, and no, no, it's just Grim Dark. <laughs> the world is turning. <laughs> uh, but this is John Palladino's first book, The Trials of Ashmount, and I'm just blown away at the the depth of the world building, mm. the quality of the characters, the diversity of the kinds of situations he's brought into play and made very real. The way he transitions from character to character is done extremely well. And the magic. He doesn't have one magic system. He doesn't have two magic systems. He has multiple magic systems hmm. that are unlike anything I've seen in other series. Does it get confusing? Having Not at all. Not oh. at all. And as I'm moving into book two, you can see the writing on the wall that eventually there's going to be a bigger understanding of magic as a whole okay that's coming but okay. we're not there yet you know we're not right. there yet uh but he he's created some really rich unique magic systems and i i've interviewed him too there's a there's an episode on our channel talking with john and about his first book and kind of the crux of how he wrote this book in the first place was he'd come up with one of those magic systems as an idea and he was like I could write a book with this. This would be cool. And that yeah. was the the birth of this okay. whole book is how do I write a whole story where I can use this magic system? And it was worthy. 
Okay. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah, to, to know it's his first book and he hadn't ever written anything else and to have the quality, the engagement, the captivation of this story, I'm blown away. So I, I actually don't know anything about the plot itself. I, I, yep. I know that people really love this book. I've been planning on reading it for a while, but I don't think I know anything about like the story or what the yeah. characters are. You know, it's a it's an ensemble cast story. So you have multiple different things that are happening. Okay. So it's hard to really describe other than... Uh, Does it take place at like a school or something? From, like, only one small part of it relates okay. to that. Okay. Ashmount is a magic school. Okay. But this is no Hogwarts. Got it. Okay. This is a very different sort of magic school. And uh, as is true of Grimdark, in many cases, people do not mean well for other people. <laughs> okay. And what you think you're seeing is not what you're seeing. And, okay. and there are twists and there are shocks and, and people die, mm -hmm. you know, and no one is safe in this okay. book. Uh, it shares, you know, his writing shares uh, some qualities with George R. R. Martin in that sense. Nobody is safe. Okay. Anyone can die. But yeah, to try to describe the plot is hard because there's so many different little worlds that do kind of merge together as time goes along. But in each of these little plot lines, there is a, a key character that you're following who's basically is the world is changing and eventually is going to be screwed. Yeah. One character is screwed right off on page one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I, I can't tell you more without ruining right, too right. much of the story. Okay. But That's read great. it. You'll be captivated within the first few pages. Awesome. Okay. What you got so, next? I have The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. Is it showing up on mm -hmm, here? Mm -hmm. And it's been... I so have heard of this, but it's not on my TBR. Okay. So... I haven't read this in many years, so I think it would benefit from me just, you know. <laughs> okay, fair. But, but I can tell you more about it after. So, the circus arrives without warning. No announcements precede it. It is simply there, when yesterday it was not. Within the black and white striped canvas tents is an utterly unique experience full of breathtaking amazements. It is called Les Cirque de Rive, and it is only open at night. But behind the scenes, a fierce competition is underway, a duel between two young magicians, Celia and Marco, who have been trained since childhood expressly for this purpose by their mercurial instructors. Unbeknownst to them both, this is a game in which only one can be left standing. Amidst the high stakes, Celia and Marco soon tumble headfirst into love setting off a domino effect of dangerous consequences and leaving the lives of everyone from the performers to the patrons hanging in the balance. It's this a love story, dude. No. He, you just said love. I heard it. Yeah. I mean, it's in there. <laughs> yeah. But really this is, so the reason I like this book is, and yes, the, the love story is in there, but it comes in much later and it's kind of like a, it's just kind of like the emotional feel good part of the book but the big thing is the competition between these two magic and users if 
you know, basically one of them is not going to make it out of it. Like they okay. are, they are performing in the circus. Only one can win and go on to be actually like part of the circus permanently. Okay. And one thing I really liked about this book is when I read it, do you remember going to the circus for the first time? Yes. As a kid. Yeah. Or like a carnival or some, or Disneyland late at night, dude, that feeling this encaptures okay. it perfectly and it's just it's such a good right from the beginning you feel like this is magical and there's not like there's not like a magic system or you really don't even see a whole lot of magic until later on but it feels like disneyland okay. if that makes sense but does it cr come with those cruddy candy peanuts i don't know <laughs> that's my first memory of a, of a circus man that stuff was horrible you guys remember the candy Dude, peanuts i cannot believe oh. anyone allowed us to have those that was really horrible it's literally sugar compacted into <laughs> a shape and turned and orange. somewhat textured like styrofoam you know, yeah a thick styrofoam yeah yeah <laughs> okay night yeah. circus yeah so it's it's been it's been years since I read this, but I remember getting to the end of it and thinking that was a beautiful story. All right. So, so this is good. As, as you keep giving me these pitches, I'm, I'm evaluating because which right. three am I going to say, you know, right. all right, all right, that's plausible. Yeah. All right. My next one. Okay. This is an easy one. And you guys should not be shocked on this one. If you know me <laughs> and Zach and our show at all, but you started the Wheel of Time and you stalled out. <laughs> now, the Wheel of Time is how we met yeah. because you reached out as you were reading through the Dragon Reborn book three. Yeah. And we talked about it and I came on and we did an episode about it. And then you have not finished book four. Mm -hmm. Book four may be my favorite in the whole series. And okay. you stalled out. So the Shadow Rising is my pitch for okay. you here because you must finish the Wheel of Time. Here, here's the thing. I was going through the shower and I'm going to finish it at some point. But you might have to finish it sooner because I pitched it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I was getting through it and I'm just like, I don't understand any of this stuff. And you and several other people told you me. You got to talk to me some more, you know? Hey. Yeah, but you, you guys all, I did. You guys all said you'll understand it on a reread. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to reread all of Now these. that's why some people listen to our show. Right. Because we explain what you're reading as you go through. See, yeah, I do need to do that. The next time I pick it up, I will listen to your podcast. We have the Shadow on. Rising completely done. It's okay. all out there. We're almost finished with book five, The Fire is oh, okay. So, Okay. Well, Trust yeah, me, by I, the time you ever get to that one, we'll have those done too. Right. Yeah. We might <laughs> have all 14 <laughs> books done by the time right. you get <laughs> Yeah. I, um, no, I, I definitely want to pick it up because I had a fantastic time with the first three. But that fourth book, I got to uh, probably like 30, 40, 50% of the way, somewhere in there, yeah. somewhere in that range. And I was just like, I don't understand a thing that's going on. And it's not totally shocking that this would happen to you yeah. because the first three really are a trilogy that kind of has a an ending, leaving some hooks out there, but right. it, it ends. It's, yeah. it's a good story right there. When you move into book four, the whole world starts to open up in ways it had not done before right. that. It was a much more linear, concise story. And now all of a sudden you've got what? And characters going different directions and doing all these things. And you're 
you're meeting things, you're learning about history and past and and stuff that you're gonna not fully understand until right. you move even further into the series to get context. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not shocking okay. that you're feeling the way you are. Okay. Yeah. And it's true. On a reread, you're like, oh, this book's brilliant. Right. But you couldn't know that. I couldn't know the that first time. Right. So all right. So that was my pitch. Um The Shadow Rising. So I have another, uh, I would say the Night Circus is kind of fantasy, but this one definitely Oh, yeah. Is... And was this a standalone? Yeah, this yeah, was a standalone. standalone. Yep, the first standalone. Wow, finally. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> this is a standalone, too. Hey, two to um, row. And yeah, basically, The Last House on Needless Street is my recommendation. And if I read the description to you, it would not make any sense. So I'm just going to tell you, basically, from the get-go, you are kind of going through three to four POVs. It kind of starts out with just a couple that are going back and forth and then it slowly expands. And you're following this guy that lives on, sorry. (laughs) Hank is a lover, not a fighter. (laughs) You're following this guy that lives on this street called Needless Street. Okay. And from the beginning, you're like, this guy is really weird. I don't understand what this is or what it's supposed to be. But it's one of those books where you're not going to understand anything to the point where you're almost going to want to give up. Don't eat the book. Yeah. (laughs) To the point where you almost want to give up. But as you go and uncover more things, it's so rewarding. And basically what happened is you get the gist that there's been some sort of murder or something that's happened. And the cops are investigating this guy, but he's not totally there. And so he's not able to like answer the police's uh, questions in the way that they're hoping. And so it kind of follows this whole investigation, but not from the cops perspective. There's another person that's kind of involved that was maybe related to the person that that is also kind of investigating this guy. And I, I feel like I'm not doing a, good enough job explaining it it's really mind bendy really trippy but not in a way where you're like i just don't understand this like you'll all you'll always understand so it's no shadow rising right yes (laughs) uh no you'll you'll understand what's happening scene by scene but there will be weird curveballs where you're like how does this connect and you'll get to the end of the book and this is like the highest praise i can give to this book i have never seen a twist like this and, and I've read a lot of books with crazy twists. This blew my mind in ways that no other book ever has. Okay. Like, this is like the number one. How do you one. say the author's name? Catriona Ward. All right. Yeah. All right. To yeah. be considered. Yeah. Very good. My next one for you is a completed six book series. Okay. But you'd have to read all six because once you read the first one, you're going to want more. Again. Okay. But it's by an author you love. Oh, boy. Jim Butcher. Oh, God. Okay. The Codex Alera, his epic fantasy series that is mind-blowingly good. Yeah. Um, it starts with, oh, what's the name of the first one? Wow. Uh, oh, you've got Academ's Fury, Fury. C- Cursor's Fury, Princeps Fury, High Lord's Fury. I mean, they all have, but Furies the first one, the Furies of Calderon is how yeah, I Calderon. say it. Okay. But yes, yeah, yeah. it's the one that has a different name. Yeah. So the Furies of Calderon. And it's great. Basically, Jim Butcher had a challenge. Mm-hmm, can can I create yet. a book series based on the oh. Roman legions and Pokemon? Uh-huh. And he brilliantly does. <laughs> 
And it's a story that builds all the way through. In essence, it's the story of this one boy. When you first encounter him, he's really kind of a, a young man on the on the cusp of adulthood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tavi. Okay. He lives in a world, in a country, where everybody has magic. Sort of. They have magic through furies. Furies are these elemental spirits, powers of the of the land. And whichever kind of fury you have a connection with, that's the kind of magic you can basically do by getting that fury to do it for you mm. or do it with you. So like a, a fury of air or wind will grant you the ability to fly because it's lifting you up, mm. but also to blow someone across a room. You know, right. you can do wind things. Uh, water fury can do things with water, but also that one gives you the power to heal. Mm. Okay. Just water crafting, they call it. And and then there are different side abilities that happen. So like ones who have water crafting also are longer lived. Okay. It goes with the healing ability. It also your own body is naturally right. healthier and kind of aging is healing as you go. So those people tend to live longer. Okay. And even as they're old, they don't look as old as they are. Got it. Okay. So some cool things are worked in here. But in this world where everybody, often as an infant already, has a fury that clearly is hanging around, Tavi's the one who doesn't have one. He has no fury. And now he's, you know, and they're like, you know, his he's living with his aunt and uncle. He's an orphan. Parents are are totally, you know, gone, wherever, whatever. And you learn about that eventually. But they've tried to assure him over, you know, sometimes people get their fury later. But he's basically, you know, almost an adult and he has no fury. Hmm. And he's been miserable as he's been picked on and bullied by, you know, ah, the furious boy, you know. Right. Because kids are mean. They are. <laughs> you know, you give them something to make you a target and you know they come at you. I know almost every one of you watching this has been bullied when you were in school. <laughs> and you escaped into fantasy fiction like I did. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, uh, poor Tavi. And yet, despite this disadvantage, he is a, a young man of excellent character. Mm. And he has had to develop some abilities with his brain to be able to problem solve, to be able to work through things because he has no fury to help him. Mm. And that's going to weave into the story in some amazing ways. Uh, but there is there's much mystery to learn as you work through the story. This is the opposite of Grimdark. Okay, yeah. There's no grim dark element in here. Yeah. This epic is fantasy. this is a, a kind epic fantasy. I mean, there are some bad things that happen. Sure. And guess what? People do die in this story too, you know. Yeah. But there are people who should die who don't. Okay. Oh, okay. There's there's just elements to this story where it's it's a kinder, gentler kind of fantasy. Right. Okay. Um, so there's nothing that's gonna offend in this. Yeah. Uh it is not exclusively humans. There are some other races that are involved. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. As you work through the stories, there's actually a love story involved. I'll admit it. There's actually more than one love relationship you, you involved. Hate love, don't you? But it is not you the driving love. force of the story. It's just there. Why okay? do you hate love? <laughs> is it love? Don't hurt me. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so definitely 
definitely the Furies of Calderon. That's book one. Okay, that would be the challenge to read, and then you'll want to read the rest. Okay, so being a big Dresden Files fan, yep. Would I recognize uh, yes. Jim's his writing style, his humor? It's on display. Definitely. Okay, the way the characters interact with each other, because uh, Tavi. He uh, he has a characteristic about him again. You know, he's had to use his brain. He becomes this person of such great character that he attracts friends around him who are great characters as well. And and just the rapport, okay. the relationships, and the way they navigate the challenges they get into, it, it's classic Jim Butcher. Okay, sweet. Although right. I will say Tavi is not beaten up to the degree that Harry Dresden gets beaten up. Oh my goodness, that poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, you'll, you'll definitely find some similarities. Okay, all right. Well, something that is not as hopeful. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the Fallen Blade series. And what I'm about to hand you is an omnibus. So that's three. So really the first book is really like that somewhere in there all right all right um and if you enjoy night angel which i know you do i do gotta get that frame right yep there you go uh this is so broken blade broken blade one. is the first one yeah you know some people i'm not one of them obviously and i don't think you are either but some people say like oh night angel is kind of like ya or a little bit juvenile and if that were the case then this would be the more mature adult Night Angel. Okay. So basically, the guy on the cover there, uh, Errol, he is part of, or he was, part of a cult of assassins. And in this world, there are various gods that are real, like in, in the world in physical form. Like they're not just out in the clouds somewhere. Like they are either a, a moving statue or they are someone who sits on a throne or something like that. Okay. Um, and they grant their followers certain powers and privileges. And he's part of this uh, group, um, this religious cult of Namera. Namera is the God and she is basically the God of justice. And so she sends her assassins out to kill people who justice. Yeah. Who, really need to be killed like these are these are like bad people that she is sending them out to kill okay and so what happens what you find out at the beginning of the book is that this is i think six years or ten years later after the fall of his temple and the uh the lord of heaven or emperor of heaven came in and basically took out their whole island they, they killed all of his friends. He was off the island doing an assassination. They okay. killed all his friends and they killed That's his not guy. nice. That's not <laughs> right. nice at all. So when we find Errol at the beginning, he is like a super alcoholic. <laughs> and he is just taking kind of contracts wherever he can get them. He's trying not to kill people, but he will if he has to. He's trying to do more like thieving and, and you know, smuggling contracts and stuff like that. Okay. With that, the beginning of that book, we we see him get his contract, and it's very noir. Like oh, I was sitting in the bar, and the you know femme fatale walked in, and she, you know I don't trust her, and all that kind of stuff. Sure, all of that is there. But the part of the series that I really love is the action. You know, a lot of the stuff we saw with Kyler and Night Angel is mm -hmm. I was running on the rooftop, and I did a sprint, and I smashed through the window, and I stabbed him in the neck. 
this is more like methodical more <laughs> like we see him like plan out like a huge infiltration and we see him take that on like step by step like having to be very careful about his movements and he can't just like do anything but he does have this shadow that is alive and the shadow tris can like shroud him in like a cloud of smoke or a cloud of like shadow and he can hide in a corner and be not seen um, he can also like jump from a rooftop and sprout like wings of shadow and kind of glide to the ground. So we can do a lot of really cool stuff with the magic. So yeah, that's, that's kind of it. The, there's a longer like arc to the story. I'm not going to get into it because spoilers, but yeah, the, the basic premise is it's just this assassin who, uh, you know, his temple fall, fell apart and it's kind of the aftermath of that and seeing what he does from there. Okay. Next up. I've got John Gwynn's The Faithful and the Fallen. Okay. Now, this is a four-book epic fantasy series, so I'm really pitching book one, Malice. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not immediately opposed to this one. Okay. <laughs> Unlike everything else I've pitched so far. Okay. Um, There's not a couple that are good. This is, this is fantastic, <laughs> and it's in a fantasy world that if you end up really loving it, there is another series that there's a time jump, and then you're reading more books that I haven't read yet, but they're on my TBR. Wait, his other series is a time jump from that one? Uh-huh. And then there's uh, another series he's written that's something totally different. Oh, His, okay. his newest uh, one is oh, something totally okay, different. Okay. Yeah. John Gwynn has created this, this world where there are two opposing forces, good versus evil kind of thing, lurking in the background, manipulating humans, manipulating the world for their own purposes and the faithful and the fallen. So basically angels and demons kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's not our world. So that's, you know, just kind of an understanding. Okay. And in the midst of this world, there are humans who are stuck in the middle being used as pawns, being used as tools and instruments of the good and the bad. But the people involved in this all think they're on the right side. Right. So the way John Gwynn writes this, it is hard to be sure which is the right side. Because we all know, if you've studied history, uh, you know, history is written by the victors. Mm -hmm. It's very possible that the ones, as you're experiencing this primarily through our protagonist, Corbin, and his point of view, there are other POVs you're getting, but he's clearly the main one. So it's clearly he's set up. As the hero, right? Right. Is he on the right side or is he on the wrong side? He certainly thinks he's on the right side. He's a good kid. Everyone around him seems to think he's the one on the right side. Hmm. But then there's clearly the one who's on the wrong side, yet he seems to be a very good person too. Hmm. And clearly seems to be working on the premise that he's the right side. Okay. And a key part of the series is figuring out what the heck's really going on. Who, who is the right side? Is there a right side? Or is everybody just screwing with mankind? It's fascinating. Okay. Uh, Corbin is a, a really kind, nice kid who very quickly gets in over his head right. and stuff. But he's not alone. And he's got people working with him and trying to help him. Or are they manipulating him and using him? And right. the same thing for his equal on the other side of the conflict as you go through things is he 
the good guy or is he just being used or is he a bad guy on purpose? Mm. And then woven into this is prophecy. Okay. okay. And that plays a key role. And there's prophecy of the faithful. But guess what? There's prophecy of the fallen too. Hmm. Whose prophecy is real? And right. are we thinking the fallen are the bad guys just because we meet the faithful first? You know? Yeah. Okay. So fascinating. Uh, John Wynn writes it in a style that, what I have to say with this book, you favor audiobooks. Yeah. I had to try this audiobook because I listed it as an audiobook. I had to start it three times because it's so massive in its world building at first that it was too much for me to keep track of. Okay. So like the first time I'm listening to it and I'm also doing chores and multitasking and I'm like two chapters in and I'm lost. I have no idea what's going on. Oh shoot. Okay. So I started over. Right. But I'm still multitasking. I'm exercising. I'm doing stuff. And I'm about five chapters in. I'm like, oh, dang it. I, I am lost again. But I wanted to like this book. Right. So I said, okay. stubborn German. I am going to try again. Okay. But focusing. Yeah. So then I started again. And then I was good. Okay. So you must pay attention. Right. Okay. Now, I only had that problem with book one. Okay. Because there's so much. Yeah. Gwen is laying out here for you and so many names and settings and characters, and you do need to understand it. Doing it audiobook like you like to do, just you go into it knowing that. You right. have to pay attention. Okay. You won't have the same problem with books two, three, and four. It's just that first one. Ooh. But it was worth the effort. Okay. Okay. So Malice, John Gwynn. Was it uh what once you kind of got into it, was it fast paced or was it slow going? Oh no, it, it moves along. It moves along. Yeah. Okay. And and the ending of each book is whoa. Yo, okay. There's a big ending each time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's good. But these are not short. I mean these are like 24 hour audiobooks. You know, they're and okay. if you're reading, I mean they're thick books. Okay. It's worthy. Cool. Did you like the sequel series as well? Uh haven't read it yet. Oh okay. that one's on the TBR still. Okay. I will like it, I am sure. All right. Hundred percent confident. That's how much I love the faithful and the fallen. Okay. Okay. Cool. What you got next? Let's do Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames. All right. This is on my TBR, but it's down a ways. Right. So you might be moving it up on me. So go ahead. Tell me about it. Um, okay. So I'm sure like this is all over like BookTube and Twitter and stuff. I'm sure you've heard a, a bunch about it. But mm -hmm. imagine like an old group of rock stars that are washed up and like in their you know, 60s or whatever, they're all retired and they're all just kind of like at home. They found their, they, they went on their adventures, they found their families or maybe they didn't. And they just kind of went into retirement. Some went okay. on to live really happy, fulfilling lives. Some kind of became more isolated and right. whatnot. And so that is exactly what happens with this group of, I don't even want to say mercenaries because that's not, I mean, I guess that is kind of what they are. They're they're more like your classic Dungeons and Dragons party. And in this world, these they're full of these Dungeons and Dragons parties. And they all turn into what we would consider rock stars. Okay. And people throughout the kingdom, like they have like names, like uh, you know, whatever, like band names, like like what Green Day would be like, they would know them by name. And Fox Machina! Ah! Right. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Exactly. Okay. 
Um, and so people throughout the kingdom like love them and they, they scream for them when they come into town and they go out and they'll take out like big dragons and, and stuff like that and come back and claim the reward from the king or Mary's daughter or whatever. So, <laughs> they all marry the daughter. Yeah. They just pass them around. No, not that kind of book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Wheel of Time. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. That's not Wheel of Time. <laughs> Only one gets to share. <laughs> so yeah, we're finding these characters much later in life after they've done all that stuff. Okay. But Clay Cooper is kind of the guy that we're seeing the whole story through. But Gabriel is his best friend. And Gabriel is actually like the lead man for this group. Like he would be the tank, right? Like okay. he would be the guy facing the dragon. Everybody else is supporting and so his daughter goes missing and he doesn't quite, he's pretty sure that she's kind of like run away, but she's run away into a really dangerous territory where he knows for sure she doesn't have the skill to, you know, deal with the conflict that's going on over there. And so he kind of goes one by one to these old bandmates that he hasn't seen in like 20 years and he gets the band back gets together, the band back together and they go and they find her. And man, it is, I was so skeptical about this book for so long. I can't even describe, like, when I would hear about this book, I'd be like, no, I don't want to read that. Sounds dumb. <laughs> but when I read it, I was like, oh, I can't believe how stupid I was. This has so much heart, so much love and care put into this world and these characters. And it's so funny. Like, even Dresden Files, I don't think. Like, I think this is the funniest. Okay. Well, that, so, that has appeal. I like yeah. that. So, and, it, but it's not funny in the way that like, I look at something like Terry Pratchett and I'm like, I don't uh, think I would like that because it's like too funny. This isn't that. This okay. is funny in the way that yeah. like a Dresden. Funny. Now this is a standalone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. I mean, yeah, there, there is like, there is more books, but they're not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like the same story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My next one. Wool. By Hugh oh, Howey. Okay. okay. Now this is book one of his Silo trilogy. Yeah. And if you have an Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus account, you know that that is a hot uh, property on TV these days. Silo. Part of why I'm I read Wool, and my son, you know, Zach came upon it first. He's like, "Have you ever heard of this?" I'm like, "No, I haven't heard of this." So I looked into it. And I went, "This looks good." Yeah. So then I read it. It was good. Okay. Now, I'm only on book two of the trilogy. Mm. Uh, book two is just as good so far. So I might be recommending the trilogy, but I haven't read all three. So I right. can't recommend, but I can wholeheartedly say Wool is great. So let me give you just a little synopsis. Yeah. You're meeting people who live in a silo. This is... And by silo, you mean like, like a bunker? Like a bunker, but okay. this is massive. Okay. This is like a buried skyscraper. Oh. I mean, this silo has over a hundred stories. Oh, shoot. And people are living in this silo and outside the silo is uninhabitable. Something's happened. This is on earth. Something has happened. This is in the future. So it's dystopian. But you don't know what. We don't know what happened okay. other than something happened and the world is unlivable. Got it. Okay. okay. And... It opens up with uh, a little bit of a, a hook, a little bit of a mystery, where the sheriff of this silo 
has right in the opening pages uh, puts himself in a jail cell and says, call the mayor. I want to go outside, which you don't go outside to go out of the silo is a death sentence. Right. Okay. But every now and then someone goes outside the silo because it is a death sentence. That's how they deal with people who have committed a crime of such a level. Mm. They banish them. They put them in a a special suit, like a space suit kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and send them out. But everyone they send out like that ends up dying within minutes because it's so, the air, it's so corrosive and stuff that basically the suit fails. Okay. But the key thing is when they send someone out, it's called, they're sending them as a cleaner. Hmm. Because they have cameras outside the silo, so they can see what the outside world looks like. But over time, those cameras get dirty. Okay. Basically, when you are sentenced to this punishment, you are to go out and clean the cameras. Oh. And you will die doing it. Got it. And everyone, you know, stubbornly says, I'm not going to clean. I'm not going to clean. I won't do it. And yet everyone who goes out ends up cleaning the cameras. There's some mystery going on there, but... Again, it starts off with the sheriff saying, I'm going to go outside. And we learn very quickly his wife had done the same thing like a couple of years earlier. Just suddenly she got banished, had to go outside too. This has me so intrigued. I'll be honest. <laughs> and this is like, and, and so that's almost spoilers, but it's not because that's sure. like the first chapter. Right, You're getting right, right. this yeah. and everything else flows from this event. Why did this happen? And what is going on? And okay. it's amazing. And there's so much you're going to discover. But just about the silo a little bit, it's this whole community that's living in the silo. And they've been in this for generations. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's set up in floors because you don't just run up and down the silo. I mean, 130-some stories. And each story yeah. is huge. Yeah. And so it's it's separated into sections. Um, so like there's areas where they grow things with, you know, grow lights and stuff. There's an IT department that kind of powers the information stuff. So they, they have high technology and they do, they do very high tech way at the bottom is, uh, where the mechanical is where they, they run the power and they take care of keeping the energy flowing uh, in the silo and people who live in these sections, there's basically an apprentice system. So you grow up and you shadow somebody and that's what you will be for your life. I mean, they hope maybe one day yeah. they can leave the silo, but there's no real plan for that because world out there is unlivable. Yeah. So this is what you are. Yeah. Um, okay. It's, it's fascinating. You learn things as you read this story. Big one. Hugh Howie wool is book one. Book two is shift and book three is, dust okay yeah did, did you ever read the city of ember no i'm familiar with it okay yeah it sounds, it sounds it. this sounds like an adult version of that that's really cool yeah. next up we have free the darkness by Kelcade, and this is part of the ah, king's dark tidings series you've raved about this series yes. before yeah this is a favorite of ours on the podcast it is literally in my top three favorite series of all time matter of fact it's number two <laughs> I don't want to say grim dark because it kind of starts out that way, but it turns more into like what you would expect from like adult epic fantasy. 
is about this guy that starts out as he is brought as a baby to this fortress and for every single day of his life for like 18 hours a day or something he is trained to be a lethal killing machine he is given no rest no breaks no nothing Hmm. Um, he is trained in all of the ways of the world uh, diplomacy you know, like politics, all, all that kind of stuff. He's taught a whole number of things. He's basically like the perfect person, but somehow Kelcade makes him not feel like a Mary Sue. Uh, there are things that he struggles with. One of them being uh, social skills because he doesn't okay. he hasn't really had any interaction with the outside world ever. So there's no romance in this one. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, rom- ah, shoot. <laughs> there's romantic subplots, but it's by far, it's like two, 2% <laughs> of the book. Okay. Uh, so yeah, mostly it's about him kind of see him going through his training in the fortress, but even like the training montage is like a chapter or two, and then it gets into like the events of the book. Okay. And he is training at this fortress. And then one day something happens and a lot of people who are training him at the fortress die. And so he is left to be like, he doesn't know why he's been trained for this. He doesn't know what purpose he serves in the greater scheme of things. All right. And so he is leaving the fortress to find that out. And so it's basically him kind of going along and threatening everybody with a blade to their throat, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and what what's up with the outside world. He doesn't really know how to interact. Like the first time he mm-hmm. goes into a city, he's like, these guards just let me into their city. Like, what's that about? Like, th- do they not have any like, you know, preservation like instincts or anything? And so he doesn't really quite understand how the outside wor- world works, even though he's been, he has like book knowledge, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have any like actual experience. So it's really fun to see him do that. And that's probably as much as I can say without like okay. really spoiling the plot. But I will say that Reskin is by far one of the coolest characters I've ever read, like even more than like Kyler Stern or Durzel Blint or anybody like that. Okay. Um, she writes action really, really well to where there's a lot happening, but she writes it in a way where you can totally understand what's happening. All right. And the character relation, that's probably the biggest thing is the character relationships. You got to think he's going into the world, never having had a friend before. Mm -hmm. And so the first time he starts making friends, it's like to him, you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. And, uh, Book two is my favorite. It's really where they spend a lot of time on a ship and that would sound boring, but it's not. She makes it like not boring at all. There's a lot of really intricate conversations and drama that plays out and yeah. political intrigue. Okay. And God, it's such a good series. It's one of my favorite series of all time for a reason. I really like the second book, but I think even the first book you would absolutely adore. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, next, I'm going to toss a standalone novel at you. Okay. This one's sci-fi. Okay, we've talked a lot of fantasy so far, mm-hmm. but this is science fiction. Project Hail Mary. Yes, by okay. Andy Weir. Now, Andy Weir's first novel was The Martian, which is excellent. It's a great book, but I'm going with his next one here on the pitch. These are not connected, so you don't have to have read The Martian to read and appreciate Project Hail Mary. 
what I love about Andy Weir's writing style is he's writing serious quality science fiction without it being boring. He can take the science stuff and it's he uses good science. Mm-hmm. This is real science and make it fascinating. Yeah. It's it's integral to the plot, but you're not finding okay, skip ahead, skip ahead. No, you're you're intrigued by what he's laying out there. But Project Hail Mary is focused on a character who wakes up on a ship where he's clearly like been in some sort of coma or suspended animation or something because the ship itself with its own android type robotics, so you got futuristic already here clearly, is waking him up and doing medical things to revive him, but he doesn't know how he got here. He has no recollection of, of what's going on and immediately finds two others dead bodies. Oh, okay. And doesn't know who they are. or So it starts with mystery. The story goes along where he's on a spaceship. Right, okay. But he doesn't know how he got here. Right. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know who he is. Oh, you know, okay. He's, there's something wrong. Okay. okay. And so you're dealing with this mystery as he's using the stuff around him and the ship itself, which he can get to do some things and can get to tell him some things. Okay. Yet there's other things it won't do, no matter what he asks of it. Right. You know, he's having to puzzle these things out and figure out what's going on. And then the author does use flashbacks as he starts regaining some memories okay little things will trigger something and you get to see okay what did he just remember and it's told in the flashback right and and pieces get put together as the story goes along okay so when he wakes up does he have a frame of reference like does he know what a spaceship is Uh, once he realizes he's on a spaceship yes he knows what a spaceship is okay he knows he's from earth (laughs) okay okay but he doesn't know why he's on this spaceship or what's his mission where is it going right he, this stuff he has figured out okay i can't tell more without sure. spoiling yeah. things but it, it definitely has some twists some things that whoa okay i didn't see that coming uh that are done really really well and then as he's puzzling things out he's using good science to do some of this stuff but science that also partly he has to just figure out. So you're kind of figuring it out with him. Right. Okay. And, oh, okay. So that works. Oh, I get it. So you end up smarter after reading right. this book. Okay. And not fake smart, real smart. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So it's not a very long read, but it is, it's a good one. Okay. So Project Hail Mary, Andy Weir. Got it. Okay. One of my bigger, like, hopeful recommendations for you, like, the book isn't hopeful at all, but like, <laughs> I, I am hopeful that it's you will depressing yeah. a terrible story, <laughs> but, but you'd like it. That is We Men of Ash and Shadow by Holly Tinsley. Okay. Did you have her on your show, Holly oh, Tinsley? Times. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Several times. Yeah, she is a very good friend of the podcast. She actually put my dog into the sequel book. Now, is this an indie author? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we want to highlight indie authors. Yeah, definitely. You know, get out there. John yep. Palladino, I said earlier, he's yep. an indie author. Yeah. So this takes place in a city called Dorsey, and I think I, I'm starting with that because Dorsey is almost like a main character, just the city itself. Okay. Uh, very, very grim, dark. Basically, this is a town that. 
was probably once thriving and very cool, but it has kind of collapsed on itself and there's criminals running it. It's almost like a prison city, but not really like pe people can leave, but it's very difficult to. Um, so there's different gangs that are kind of running the whole city. And we follow John Vanguard, who is basically not really like an assassin in the way that you would think of one, but he's kind of like a, a hitman for the main gang leader, uh, Sanquin. Okay. And he has this really interesting ability. Uh, he doesn't know how it works. We don't know how it works, but he most of the time is able to intentionally become invisible to people around him and not like invisible in the way that you would think, but almost like stripped from their consciousness. Like they just don't think about him. Like he's not physically see-through, but like know. a gray man yeah. from the wheel of time, but you haven't got far enough to know what that no, is. I know what a gray man is. Oh yeah. yeah. So like a gray man. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else I can, I can tell you about him. He's a hitman, and he, he kind of takes out the people that Sanquin orders him to take out, and they kind of have this past that you're not really aware of right off the bat, and you kind of find out later how they connect. Then in the next few chapters, he kind of takes on an apprentice. I, I'm, I'm using things that people will probably like recognize, but that's not exactly how it works. There's a kid who also has a similar power to him, so he kind of takes him under his wing and is trying to make sure that he doesn't become a psychopath because the kid is kind of on his way to that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. There's a lot of really cool mysteries to uncover, especially with the second book. It reveals a lot of stuff that's going on. We still don't have... So is this a trilogy? Uh, there's going to be five total. There's, there's two, only two out so two far. Two out now. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, this is another one of those where you could totally read the first one just as a standalone. Okay. Like, I, I think it ends in a good place. But I think the big selling point of this series is just the tone and, like, the setting. Like, this is grimdark in its purest form. Um, so if you like something like, uh, like, if you wanted, like, an even darker First Law trilogy, then th this... <laughs> wow, one, even yeah. darker. Yeah. Okay. So th this would kind of be that. It, the city very much feels like Gotham from Batman. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot to love as far as style and the character. I know I haven't really said a whole lot about the characters as far as personality, but they do have a lot of personality and they do kind of connect in, in really cool and fun ways. Okay. All right. Definitely a, a favorite of ours for a reason. Like, same with King's Dark Tidings. Like we love this book. Got it. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, Next one I'm going to pitch to you is Hell Divers by oh, yeah. Nicholas Sansbury Smith. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now it is a currently a ten book series. Okay. And I think there's going to be still more coming out, but the first one is just called Hell Divers. Have I told you about it at all before? I know that you like it, but I don't know anything about. Okay. It. It's a dystopian science fiction fantasy tale. Okay. So set in the distant future after mankind basically nuked the world. And screwed it all. Okay. And some people escaped in airships. Okay. They just got up above all the clouds. There, I mean, nuclear winter took place. Radiation is everywhere. The world is pretty much uninhabitable. And people got up above it. Okay. Somehow they got enough warning. They got up, up above the storms and the explosions. And they've been living up there now for generations. Waiting for the hoped for time 
when the world heals enough that it becomes habitable again. In the meantime, they have been searching in these airships for places, maybe they can find a place that mm -hmm. has already recovered. Okay. Because up in these airships, they're living the, the best of sustainable, renewable lifestyles. You know, everything is recycled. Uh, they grow what they can. They yeah. have they have animals with them too. You know that. So are these big ships, then? Like big, massive? big zeppelins. Uh, zeppelins, yes, yeah. like that. Okay, but they're also kind of like you're living in it, but they also have some military military capabilities to a small degree. Okay, but really, yeah, there's a kind of a military force that a navy, you know, that pilots them. It runs that side of things, and then there's a civilian side, okay? okay? But tied into this is every one of these ships has a group of hell divers. Hmm. These are people who basically parachute out down to the planet, down to Earth, to look for things that they, they have to have. Like, they have to find some things that they can't replace, that they use up. And they go down into hazardous conditions... Some places are more radioactive than others, you know. Okay. But to get down to any of the stuff down there, they have to go through the clouds, through the storms, through hell. Right, okay. And every time you dive, you basically just suicide down to get through those clouds. And yeah. once you get through them, then you pull your chute. Oh, okay. And you make it down. How do they get back up? They have helium tanks tied to big balloons. Oh, so okay. Yeah, you push the button, whoosh, this thing puffs up and it sucks you back up. And again, now you've got to hope you make it back through the cloud. Right, okay. And anytime you're going through that, some radioactive lightning may fry you to death. Right, So okay. it's it's pure luck if you are going to make it uh, every time. Most hell divers die. Okay. It's a matter how how long can you do it before your luck finally runs out? Right. And right. the story really focuses on one guy who's like the most famous of the hell divers, Xavier or X as he's called. Okay. Who's about to do his hundredth dive oh. and no one has done a hundred dives oh, in the wow. history of the hell divers. No one has done. So he is the most successful but he's also an alcoholic. Yeah. He is messed up. Mm -hmm. He, you know, so he is a dirty character. I'm not a bad guy, but he's flawed because the world has screwed with him. He's lost everything over time. Primarily, Hell Divers is the story of Xavier Rodriguez, X, and those who are close to him as you work through things. And you know, will they ever find a place? There okay. used to be a whole bunch of airships, but this is the only one left. Oh, okay. It's been like 300 years. Oh. That they've been up here now, and they still haven't found a place. Oh, wow. Okay. And is humanity's time about to run out? Yeah. And hell divers, you, you learn the famous line that they say to each other every time they go, we dive that humanity survives. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a uh, question, does it... Does it ever get stale with it just kind of being on that ship? Like, does the, the just like the story and the surroundings uh, and the, every, does it ever get no, stale? With it just being... There are a lot of layers on a lot of things okay. that develop over time. Uh, there's, there's so much that happens along okay. the way that you just have to discover as you go, but it right. never gets stale. Okay. And in fact, the, the ending of the first book is a 
what? Wow. Holy crap, what? Okay. (laughs) Which gets you wanting to read book two very quickly. So, again, happy to share that there are 10 of these out already. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Also, last question about it. Do they wear uh, suits when yes. they jump down there to try to survive? The... Yes, they they wear suits that will protect them from the radiation. Okay. But, of course, if the suits get damaged, yeah. then they're going to have know, a bad radio, time. radioactive sickness. You know, they may die from radiation sickness, yeah. or they may only get a bad dose and they can recover from it. Right. But there's more to worry about than the storms and the radiation because there are still things living down on, <laughs> on the planet. They're okay. just not human. Right. There okay. are other things that they will have to uh, deal, deal with. Deal with. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So very dangerous. Very cool. And it's not just that stuff. Of course, it's a story that involves people, and people are messy. Right. So there's conflicts that are going to come the, about yeah. throughout that drive the story. Yeah. It's it's very good. Okay. Very cool. Uh, my second to last one is the Galaxy's Edge series. Have I told you about this? No, but I've heard of it so i don't know if it's on my tbr or not but i've heard of it so this is a series that i kind of discovered i was listening to a podcast and somebody wrote into the podcast and they were like hey you gotta check out the series maybe it's on my tbr because you told me about it yeah (laughs) um but you know something about this recommendation just is just one of those rare ones that sends a little flag up in your head and you're like i gotta look into this more And so I looked into it and I got the first book pretty much right away. And I got super addicted to it. Gabe finished the entire series. It's a pretty long series, like 15 books or something. Uh, It's completed, completely finished. It's probably the only one on this list that's completely finished. (laughs) I got to book three and then I had to do some other podcast stuff, but Gabe took off and he read the whole thing. He fell in love with it. He said that he cried at the end. Okay. And uh, so basically, uh, so what it's about, imagine Call of Duty or like Halo in space with like soldiers and you're kind of watching them. Halo is in space. Well, yeah. 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 But like Halo aesthetics, but like more Call of Duty where you're watching like the team of infiltrator. Yeah. So that's kind of the first part of it you're watching these guys called legionnaires and if i remember correctly they are investigating a situation where they've landed on this other planet and they're trying to get information from this alien species that lives there but nobody's cooperating and so they're trying to deal with them and there's like kind of like terrorist alien organizations within that all right um and so it's very the first book is very military heavy but with each book there's in, at least in the audiobooks, I don't know how it is in ebook, but in each book, there's two stories. So the first one is the Legionnaires, and you're following them. It's very like Call of Duty military. And then the second one is straight up Star Wars. <laughs> it is like really good Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. You're following uh, basically a Han Solo character okay. and a Boba Fett character. And there's kind of, not really, but there's kind of like a Princess Leia analog. Um, but it, it doesn't, it never feels like a ripoff. Like it feels okay. like the guys that wrote this love Star Wars <laughs> and they just wanted to like make more in that world. Okay. It's their um, homage to yeah. uh, Star Wars. And so, you know, I, I can only speak for you know, up until the third book, but with each one, you're kind of bouncing back and forth in time between the Legionnaires and like this Star Wars 
crew where it's like kind of this Han Solo guy. He's even got like a Chewbacca kind of guy and they're like uh-huh. flying through space. Yeah. That was sad. That was very sad. <laughs> Wiki. They're, they're flying through space and doing contracts and getting involved in underground thieving kind of stuff. And so we're, we're seeing a lot of that and the Han Solo type story takes place in the future. I think it's six or nine years after the events of the first part of that book where you're watching mm-hmm. the team mm-hmm. and, uh, and then they end up kind of connecting and, and overlap and you see cool ways because it's really subtle about it, but there's really cool ways that they kind of play into each other. But if you just want like a fun sci-fi romp, like this is it. Like, okay. Yeah. All right. My next one. I have to I have to make sure I've got this right. You have not read Malazan Book of no. the Fallen. No, not a so, page. <laughs> and and people say that different. Malazan, Malazan, yeah. Malazan, I've heard. Malazan is weird. Wow. Yeah. Malazan is how I try to get it to come out of my mouth most of the time. So Malazan Book of the Fallen, book one of this 10-book core series is Gardens of the Moon. Mm-hmm. It is, bar none, the most Difficult. incredible... No, difficult doesn't come into it for me. The most incredible, comprehensive, amazing world-building experience Hmm. I've found uh, with a story that is just rich. There's so much clearly going on. And when you read Gardens of the Moon, you get a feel for epicness. Hmm. This is epic. You also get a feel for the heck is going on. Because there's there's so much. Yeah. Um, but when I read Gardens of the Moon, I was I finished it and I'm just kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah. I would not have wanted to read it as a newbie fantasy reader. Okay. Because yeah. there's a lot to it. Yeah. But I've read a lot of fantasy. You've read a lot of fantasy. Yeah. You can approach this book with the context of all that you've read, and you can understand what Steven Erickson, the author, is doing. Hmm, you can get okay. a sense for what's going on here. You get a, can get a sense for the depth of what you're reading and the massiveness of the scope of the story that's being set up. Gardens of the Moon is almost entirely a setup book for the series. Right, okay. Uh, and yet, it tells a story. This book does tell a story, all of it in its own. Okay. And leaves you wanting to know, okay, what's next? So I've only read the first two books in the series so far. And yes, you know, I've got content out in these <laughs> Okay, But I strongly recommend try Gardens of the Moon. Okay. Now, if you hate it, then give up. Yeah. It's not your thing. Right. But I don't think you'd hate it. Interesting. Okay. And, and I, I think you'd be intrigued by wanting to know Wow, what's going on? And so, again, I've finished second book, Dead House Gates, where I know so much more now, and I also realize I know nothing. Right. Wow, there, there's so there's layers, mm-hmm. and the layers are starting to be peeled back, and things you thought you'd figured out, you're like, oh, wow, no, I didn't see where that was going. Oh, wow, this is even, even more epic than I realized. Right. Yeah, very cool. Okay. And you mentioned quality prose. This has quality prose. Wow, okay. I don't notice that usually, but there's so many phrases, the way he says things that are elegant, beautiful, without that becoming boring. Right. Or, man, this guy just likes words. No, nothing like that. That's how I feel about Gene Wolfe. 
Okay. He just likes to write. He liked it, liked words. Right. <laughs> this is not that. This is how you can say something important and significant, but also beautiful. Mm. Wow. Okay. So. All right. That's Gardens of the Moon. I can't really tell you much of what the story is about, but I should give you just a tiny, tiny taste. And that's, it's called Malazan Book of the Fallen because Malazan is a nation. Okay. And it has an army and there are power struggles going on. So when the book starts, you've got an emperor. Not very far into it, you now have an empress. That didn't happen peacefully. Okay. And there's fallout of that having happened. Okay. That is the backdrop that's causing a lot of the chaos that you're experiencing. Interesting. Okay. Um, as you read through the first book. And there are reasons behind things that, that slowly start to be revealed, but mostly not in book one. Okay. In book one, you see a story and you go, wow, I see where this is going. And again, then you read book two and you go, oh, no, I, I didn't see where this was going. Wow, this is even better than I thought it was going. Okay. So amazing. Okay. All right. All right. That's enough. Gardens of the Moon. Okay, so we got Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Which is totally on my TBR. I am yeah. very interested. So tell yeah. me why you are pitching it. There was a, a period of time where I was going through a bit of a reading slump. And you know when you're in the middle of a reading slump, you just feel like you're never going to get out. You're never going to enjoy anything ever again. <laughs> All is darkness. I, I've actually no never experienced that. Have no, you never? No, no, I've never had that experience. I oh, always, wow. always love what I'm reading and want to keep reading. And that read is more. so wild to me. So, um, and now if one of your books does that to me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He'll be pissed. I know why you had reading slumps. You were reading the wrong things, Spencer. Right. <laughs> um, no, so Red Rising, I, I kind of decided to read Red Rising at a time where I was feeling that way. And I was feeling like I just wasn't really enjoying anything. Um, and I, I just couldn't find anything that would spark my interest. And I had put off Red Rising for a long time because I had heard from the one to three star reviewers that, oh, this is like a copy of the Hunger Games. And like, it's, it's like Hunger Games in space. Major disappointing ending, by the way, Hunger Games. I honestly, I can't even remember what happened in Hunger Games. <laughs> That's good. You blocked it from your memory, yeah. actually. Go on. Um, but uh, so I, I had heard that and I was like, oh, it sounds like really YA. It sounds like, you know, I like from what I remember, I enjoyed the Hunger Games, but I'm like, I just don't want that experience again, but in space. And reading through the first book, I understand where people are getting that, but mm -hmm. this world and this story could not be further from the hunger games okay there is kind of like a hunger games type thing that happens but it's like multiple teams of people that are like fighting against each other so basically we're following and the let me just say real quick the second and third book especially go so far away from hunger games is more like i've heard comparisons to like ender's game and and stuff like that uh, so it, it gets really wild. Um, so in the first book, we're following Darrow, who is a red. And this is out on Mars. And they basically have this class system where there's these different colors. Reds are the lowest. Mm -hmm. And you, I, there's so many colors. I can't remember them all. But you have like your browns Fuchsia. and your blues and your red or your 
yeah, blues rounds, uh, pinks, which are basically like the sex workers and stuff. And then you have your golds, which are the of highest. Course. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you do have like silvers and stuff like that. But you don't hear a whole lot about them. Um, but the golds are basically like they are from Earth. They're the only people who are allowed on Earth. Uh, and okay. and they are told they're they they tell everybody else that we that Earth is dying and we need you to transform Mars into something very habitable for everyone so that we can live here and sure. you know all all move over from Earth. And so then you you kind of come to find out that that might not necessarily be true. And that's something you kind of find out in the first couple of chapters. And while we're following Daryl, he's got this wife, Eo. And they're kind of the ones that find out that maybe this isn't the case. And in doing so, EO, this is a, maybe a small spoiler, but not really. It's, it's really, it's really not. It happens in like the first like three to four chapters. She gets murdered. Uh, the Golds decide to kill her for this information that she knows and for a couple other things. Yeah, that's that, kind of a spoiler, but yeah. It's it's really it's really not like in the grand scheme of things it's really not a spoiler. She and, wasn't that important. Well, she she is, but she isn't, <laughs> but in like a, a different way. She uh, she has a lot to do with the series, but more in like a spiritual sense. Um, and so then we're kind of following Daryl like deal with the fallout of this, and he ends up kind of grouping up with this team that's kind of like a rebellion. And they're like, we want you to infiltrate the golds and kind of, you know, get into their ranks and take them down from the inside. And I don't want to tell you, like, kind of how they start to decide that's to right. do that. That's right. Don't because, tell me. You gave me enough. Yeah. Because, so, like, that's that's a big moment. But I think that everything I've told you has been spoiler light. It's okay. been within okay. the realm of, you know. But... Yeah, I think I think you'd really like it. It's sci-fi. It has some of the coolest sci-fi weapons. There's this thing called a razor, and Mike's. I, I'm stealing this from Mike's book reviews. He talks about this a lot. A lot of sci-fi series just have like the lightsaber analog, right? This has this thing called a razor, where it's like a. It's almost like a whip. It's like a coiled piece of. Like, remember those bracelets that used to slap on your uh -huh, wrist? It's kind of uh -huh. like that, but really long and sharp. Okay. And so it's kind of like this long width. And when it snaps on you, your arm falls off. That can happen too, uh -huh. but they, they keep it coiled around their arm. Oh, okay. And they can pull the hilt out and transform it into this blade. And okay. so it can go from a whip to a blade. And that's really cool in combat because you can slice halfway through with a sword and then mid slice, it turns into a whip and does something completely different. There's a lot of really cool action stuff that happens right. with this. Right. I don't really know where else to go about that. Red Rising has probably been recommended to you so many times. So I um, definitely will read it eventually. It's yeah. on there. It's not buried at 1200 on <laughs> yeah, the TBR. Right. Yeah. All right. My next one for you is a standalone novel. Okay. The Stand by Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, it's been out for quite a while, but it is perhaps my favorite novel by him. Okay. okay. It's also the longest novel he's written. Uh, he published it twice because when he first published it, the publisher said, you can't publish a book that long. Hmm. No one will buy it. And then he got, you know, filthy famous with yeah. a lot of books. <laughs> and then he said, 
I want to uh, republish this, the unabridged version. And they said, yes, Mr. King, whatever you like. Right. <laughs> okay. And that's the version I own and have read multiple times. Yeah. And, oh, man, there's, there's depth to this amazing story. And it starts out just as a biological weapon gets loose and kills the majority of mankind, just hmm. wipes out humanity, except for a few scattered survivors all over the place. And those scattered survivors now turn into a, a story of good versus evil. Hmm. And there's some, there's some other elements that are involved in this greater story. Uh, you've read some Stephen King stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, then probably that he interweaves and connects a lot of his stories. Yeah, so, his multiverse so there thing. are connections yeah. in the stand to other things he's written. Right. Characters that have played through, um, which makes it that much richer. If you have read other King stuff and then you're reading the stand, you're like, oh, oh I get that. You know, yeah. but it, it's just, it's an epic tale. He's a master storyteller. Uh, it's primarily focused on a few key characters, survivors, and first you see them becoming survivors because it starts when the world's fine. Right. Oh, but okay. Immediately you see how the plague begins oh. and then its impact. And then the key characters who are going to be your, your core protagonists, you see how they become alone. Right. You know, their family dying around them, you know, being left alone and then finding each other. Right. And uh, drawing together. And this is where you get a little supernatural element going on is the good are all drawn to one location and the bad are being drawn to another location. Okay. And an epic battle of some sort, but not the kind of battle you would think okay. takes place. So fascinating, great story. Um, he's got a, a fantastic evil character called the walking man. Okay. Also known as uh well, I won't give his name right now, but the sure. initials are RF. Mm -hmm. And if you look through his stories, he has quite a few where the bad guy's initials I've, are I've RF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's on purpose. Right. Uh, so I definitely, yeah, the stand, Stephen King. Okay. How How's the pacing? Because I think one thing that I, um, there, there's only one Stephen King book that I've really enjoyed uh, and the rest kind of had like some weird pacing. Mm -hmm. So how, how's well, King is a storyteller who focuses on the people and their experiences. And because of that, sometimes it can go slow. Yeah. And this is his unabridged version. So yes, oh. it's slow. Okay. Definitely can be slow to develop at times. Okay. So if pacing is really critical to you, you might want to try to find the older version. Right. Okay. That's shorter, a little more get to the point, Mr. King. Yeah. Or maybe the publishers were Steve, get to the point. You know, yeah. at that point he wasn't Mr. King yet. Right. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you have you read eleven twenty two? It's okay. on yeah. the TBR. Yeah. I'm actually this year and it'll continue next year, working through all the Stephen King books that I missed oh. along the way. Okay. Which is why my most recent King book was from a Buick Eight. Have you read that one? Mm -mm. Yeah, it's one of his. It's on my screen. Okay. Oh, it's right down there. Okay. Um, yeah, because I've read uh, Salem's Lot and The Gunslinger, and I think one other one, and I just see those are older ones. Yeah, I can connect with, but I, eleven twenty two sixty three is like one I of the newer it. ones. Yeah. yeah, love that. Book. So yeah, I'm working through them all because I'm gonna get them, get them, get them all. Nice. All right, you've got two left. So 
All right, so then we got Oathbreaker by AJ Rutger, and this is another, I, I honestly really don't have much to say about this book besides that I really, really love it. Okay. And it is grimdark, and it follows this guy named Mario, and he kind it's of- me, It's me, Mario. Mario! I know, it's like, <laughs> that's an interesting name. Um, but he, uh, we, we kind of see- the very very end like his graduation day from like this night academy from okay. like the the city watch or not or not the city watch sounds minimal it's, it's more prestigious than that and you know he's kind of going on to, into the world to do the first mission that the king is sending him on and okay uh he's you know in his bright and shiny armor and he thinks that it's going to be saving princesses and slaying dragons and stuff. Uh, and he soon realizes that he is woefully misinformed and that the world is a very dark and cruel place that doesn't want anything to do with your happiness. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah, and, sounds kind of grimdark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I love this book so much because, uh, and God, this sounds weird to say, but I love that it does not like the the book does not care about you as a person <laughs> like it, well books are inanimate objects for right that. but i mean yeah. like this is a book about a loss of innocence to the nth degree okay and we're watching just like the slow corruption of this character and it's just really interesting to watch all these little things that add up to where we get to at the end of the book which is like holy shit okay and, okay <laughs> um yeah it's just it's just a really cool journey to be on i don't think that i've ever really seen anything like it usually there's some sort of like um usually there's some sort of good guy but there's really not in this book okay. <laughs> like nobody's right. really a good guy um and so this is another one uh like holly tinsley's book that yeah. is just it's it's grimdark in the truest sense of the word okay all right, my second to last one is one that shows I've grown as a person. Okay. I'm a bigger person than than I perhaps used to be. Because it's a series I didn't entirely enjoy. I appreciate it. Mm, okay. And there's a difference. Right. But a lot of people absolutely love, and that's N.K. Jemison's Broken Earth trilogy. Mm. Okay, which is science fiction fantasy. There's definitely fantasy elements. There's definitely some science fiction elements. You see more of the fantasy elements early in the series, and then it shifts more into science fiction as you go. Okay. But really, you're seeing science fiction all along. You just right. can't tell. Sure. You know, any, 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 what is the, the thing? Any science sufficiently advanced appears as magic right. to those who yeah. know, know better. Yeah. You know, I mangled that. I know. Uh, the first book in the Broken Earth trilogy is the fifth season. Fifth season. Okay. Fifth season. Yeah. And this is a world that is plagued with uh, tectonic issues, earthquakes, mm -hmm. major earthquakes. And there are people who control those earthquakes or try to, but nevertheless, eventually you get to times where an earthquake happens to a degree that they weren't able to control and it causes a fifth season. So normally you've got, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter. A fifth season is a prolonged winter. Oh, okay. Where basically the earthquake caused sufficient level of volcanic activity that there's so much ash in the sky. Oh. 
you're having kind of a natural nuclear winter happens. Oh, and the culture has developed to a degree where they are prepared to try to hunker down and survive. They always have stockpiles of foods and stuff um, so long as it isn't too long a winter. And if it is too long, a lot of people are going to starve. And, and if you're caught outside, not part of a community when this strikes, oh, you're dead. You know, yeah. There's nothing you can do. Right. But there are reasons behind what's going on. And there is a magic in this world where some people have the ability in some way to connect with earthquakes and they're mm. called origins. Uh, okay. And if you discover that you or someone in your village is an origin, you need to report it immediately. This oh. person's dangerous. This oh. person could hurt, could destroy your whole city and you turn this person in. And then the, there are, people in charge of coming and capturing and taking those people and they're never seen again. Right. Okay. But there's something to all of that, right. which as you read the story, you come to realize what's going on and whoa. And there, there's a lot to this. That's a lot of depth to it. It's, it's well-written. NK Jemison by intention is very socially progressive in the way she writes. So there's a lot of, story elements that ring very true to people who are very culturally modern these days when they right. read this stuff. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when I read it and I'm, I'm an old fogey. Yeah. So when I read it, I felt, especially in the first book, she was a little too much in yeah. my face with that. And, okay. And could have told the story in a great way without being so blatant about what seemed to be really be important to her. Right. And is important to many people. Sure. But I got past that and just appreciate the story. It's right. a good story. The other thing about it is she uses second person. This is what I've heard. Yeah. Which really bothers some people. And I had no problem with that. I thought that was fresh. That was a great way to tell the story. Because uh, isn't that very like good. you went across the room and mm -hmm. did this? Mm -hmm. like, that's yeah. so weird. I it's, have no idea how that would work. It's like somebody... Yeah, it's hard to describe. You just have to read it for yourself, you know. Yeah. So the okay. fifth season is the first book. And okay. each of these books won the Hugo Award the year they came out. And it was three years in a row. That's the first time an author mm. has won the Hugo three years in a row for the best fantasy fiction book. So yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 There's a reason for that. So the fifth season. Awesome. Okay, we're down to our last books. Last books. All right. So... This being the last one, this is the one that I hope you choose. <laughs> it is on my TBR, so yeah. I am already interested. This is We Break Immortals by Thomas Howard Riley. This is my number one book of... I'll just be taking this home to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was my number one book of 2022. Just look at that cover. See, that's a, it's that's so a cool beautiful. cover. This... This book um, is one of the very few per year that I read physically because there's there's no audiobook for this. <clears throat> and um... normally I would look at something this big and I would be like, no, I'm just not doing it. Like, it's just not going to make it onto the schedule because I just can't. It says book one. Is there a book two yet? Or is there only book one? Mm -hmm. This is the first one. Okay. Yeah, normally I would be like, I just, I just can't commit to something that big. But... Pretty much right from the beginning, he he sent me an arc, and I was like, I'll give it a try one night or whatever, and I was hooked. I have never been more glad in my entire life that I made it to the end of the book. Like, this, this book affected me in, like, really 
emotional and and deep ways that I can't go into without spoilers. Uh-huh. Thank you. But eight spoilers. Yeah. But it is one of the most incredible books I've ever read. And I, I have trouble recommending it to people because it is so large and it is such a commitment. But you've seen the wheel of time. That's true. That's true. Um, but knowing what you like specifically, knowing that you're a fan of like the Stormlight Archive and other Sanderson works, this is very similar, but I would say maybe like a little bit better prose. Cool. And basically the, the magic system is uh, very Sanderson in that it has rules and it has um, kind of guidelines and you can use the, the pieces that it gives you to almost solve puzzles in your own head before they happen on the page. And basically what we're looking at is there is this um, kind of cloud of magic, this invisible cloud of magic that kind of hangs in the spirit world for okay. every magic user. And what it contains are different attributes like size, heat, like temperature, velocity, stuff like that. So like a, a magic user, if they wanted to make a fireball, they could pick these different attributes. Like I want a sphere. I want it to be burning hot and I want it to fly at a thousand miles an hour. And they can kind of put all these together and it happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's really cool in the way that it, it there's a lot of problem solving you can do with that they can make like a floor completely frictionless so that somebody can slip by putting just like a very thin sheet of something that's sure. invisible on the floor uh, so there's a lot of really really cool things that happen with it uh, but more than that is the characters that you absolutely fall in love with by the end of the book these characters i, I think i think about these characters more now than I do any other characters I've ever read about, including maybe Harry Dresden. And just okay. their, their, their arcs and their story and the way that, because uh, we're watching three of them, you can see them there on the covers. You, you have Corin, who's kind of a, a mercenary kind of guy. You have Aaron, who's arguably the main, main character. And he's basically a detective in this world where everybody's afraid of magic users. If you are a magic user, you have to be registered and like very closely watched by the government. But there's also rogue magic users that decide, no, you're not going to register me and you're not going to keep tabs on me. Uh, And so that's when people like Aaron would go after you and kind of track you down. And if you're committing crimes Mm -hmm. with your magic, uh, or even if you're not, I'm sure he would take them in to get registered or something. But these people that go rogue, there is kind of a subset of the magic users that kind of go a little psycho from the power they wield. And so mostly those are the people that he's hunting down. He has a thing called a Jekker monocle, which allows him to, um, it's, it's a monocle. It has different filters and it allows him to see kind of into the spirit world and see where people have used magic. So if somebody shot a fireball they would have like residual magic on their hand and if they touched a wall he could see that Mm -hmm. and so stuff like that is really really cool how he tracks some of these people down and then the last one is a rogue magic user but she's not necessarily a bad guy um and the way that all three of these stories kind of intertwine and when they finally 
because like obviously they all eventually kind of come together in a way and so the the way that that happens is really cool and the friendships that are formed are really awesome um another thing i really like about the uh the way that thomas howard riley wrote the main character is the main character is uh basically what would be something akin to like a heroin addict in in that world he's got like this like long-term drug addiction that he's dealing with uh throughout like his whole life and even like to the uh, like not to give it away too much but even it's not really spoiled to the end of the book he's still like it's it's not something that's solved you know what i mean like it's mm -hmm. just something that is part of his character and it's just cool i think he wrote that in a really um just a really cool way that felt real. It felt honest and it lent a lot of, um, I want to say gravitas, but just more of like a kind of a rugged edge and a more believable filter to his, his character. It was really, really well handled. Um, okay. and then overall, last thing I'll say about it is as you know, reading Sanderson, the Sander Lange that kind of comes in at the end, Thomas definitely does that. And there, there's actually like a couple of them. And as you get to, as you get closer and closer to the end of the book, it feels more and more epic. And it feels like that growing and uh, just like, holy crap, this is going to be big and everybody's going to die <laughs> like kind of thing. And it is just, he calls it rated R adult epic fantasy. And I could not agree more. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It is epic in the truest sense of the word. All right, my last one is just a, a throwback that when I hear you haven't read it, I'm like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> oh, no. and, they, and they all know that uh, you guys have all read this. How has he not? That <laughs> uh, you haven't read A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. It's like, that is such a lack in your library because it is the granddaddy of Grimdark. It is so well written. Yeah. And you 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 know you you struggle if things are badly paced there's no bad pacing in a song of ice and fire it just keeps hitting yeah and and so many different plot lines but they're all tied together in amazing ways and then there's you know there's the direct stories but then there's the larger stories that are in the backdrop and of course there's still two books to come so you have <laughs> maybe. time maybe no winds of winter it's on the cusp and, and then we'll get the last one i know we'll get these but uh you know i believe it does start with a game of thrones mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure that's book one um but these are great books yeah so uh, you just shame on you you know, know. You, you've got to read know. uh for your book cred you've just got to have uh, a song of ice and fire done yeah so, i i could that's not on the list i could not agree more it's definitely one that we are i don't know if gabe will have a good time with it but i think that i would uh it's definitely something that i at least i'm gonna read either later in the year or very early next year mm -hmm. um our new co-host nick he is it's he when he came on for his like intro to the fantasy files kind of thing he said that it's his number one favorite series. So that almost blew it that he was like, I can't hang with you. Yeah. He was, he was like, he was, he was pretty upset. Matter, he made a, he made a joke in that video. He's like, yeah, I got to quit. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you but, know, you must fix this. All right. Yeah. All right. So, so I don't yeah. need to say any more about this story. Yeah. You know, sure. people it's, know it's happening at some point. We're definitely, definitely going to do it sometime soon. All right. So now it is the time of the show as we wrap this up. 
that you're going to need to pick three of the ones that I pitched to you. And so are you. Uh-huh. It's a hard... There, There's quite a few in here that I... I well, really and you have more than three that I could easily pick here. Going, yeah. Yeah, I want to read these. Absolutely. I think I'm going to go with the, the three that I'm going to pick, as long as I'm only required to read the first one. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The Silo trilogy, the first book in, in that wool. wool. Yeah. Yeah. And then the first book in Hell Divers. That okay. sounds really interesting. And can I do like a tiebreaker with you here? Can I can I mention what uh, you can tell I me all three? Okay. Sure. Okay. So the three that if I'm you're waffling between yeah, are yeah, yeah. Is uh Zombie Fallout, the the first book in that, and that's the one that I'm least like I'm not uh -huh. entirely sure if I would enjoy it. Yeah. But then Codex Alera and Faithful in the Fall. Uh, yeah. It's between those three. And so I'm leaning almost kind of towards Codex just because it's Jim Butcher Jim and I, Butcher, I know man. I know him. Yeah. You know, like I but then Faithful in the Fallen I've been meaning to get to for a long time. Uh-huh. <sighs> okay, so let's say if we were to break down to Codex and Faithful and Fallen. Which one do you think I would enjoy more? Oh man, that's hard. Because uh, <laughs> here, here's the problem between the two. I think you'd like them both. Yeah. But there's no argument that there is more to the Faithful and the Fallen okay. than Codex Alera. Codex Alera is a lighter series that just doesn't have, have as much depth. It's great. It's enjoyable. It's a good sure. story. It's no The Faithful and the Fallen. Got it. Okay. That has a different level of epicness. Got it. Okay. I'm going to pick Codex. Okay. All right. So we're deciding between Silo, Helldivers, and Codex. Okay. Okay. My three that I'm tossing at you, so, so you know what you got to wrangle with, is Kings of the Wild. Okay. Red Rising. Okay. And we break Immortals. All right. <laughs> so those are the three. I mean, I... I could have thrown Lies of Lachlamora on there just as easily. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good things on there. What made you pick Kings of the Wild? I'm just curious. Oh, I, I just, I like the whole premise of the story. Yeah. It's yeah. Been, been something I'm definitely going to get to. And I think on my personal TBR, all three of those are already on there. Yeah. I think We Break Immortals is the highest of the three on the list. Oh. Lachlamora is very close behind it and kings of the wild is farther down but they're um, all in the range of i i will definitely be planning to read them within so. the next like two years do you think yeah okay yeah all right so it's just a matter of which one gets moved up a lot faster okay all right so you want to pick one man okay so it's between codex alera silo and hell divers wow Okay, so what I'm what I'm wrangling with here is the Silo trilogy, book one, Wool. The way it's written, the style of the story, it channels a lot of Blake Crouch. Oh, and you okay. enjoyed Pines. I know you'll enjoy the yeah. whole Silo trilogy. Yeah. So that's an easy one to say. Oh yeah. yeah. But now that I've even said that, you'll read it anyways. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure I want to do that. <laughs> see, because that's got you already. Okay. <laughs> Codex Alera, uh, that would be a gift for me to give that to you. Helldivers is probably the one you're least likely to read. If I don't... You think so? That would be my guess. Is okay. Because the author is the least well-known of the, the 
you know, of what's out there in the mainstream of stuff. Okay. So I've read a lot of Nicholas Sansbury Smith's stuff, a lot of good books. I think I'm actually going to have you read The Furies of Calderon. Okay. Book one of Codex Alera. All right. Yeah. I'll enjoy talking to you about that. Okay, cool. Which one are you going to do to me? So, And do I just borrow it and take it home? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do, I do have a, another version I could... I could no, I, I would read it on Kindle anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... No, I shouldn't presume. Which one are you going to do? Part of me wants to say Kings of the Wild, but we just made some content on that really recently. But also I think like Red Rising, I think you would enjoy, but I think it would have to be one of those things where like you commit to reading the whole trilogy to like fully embrace it. Mm-hmm. Because the first book, like, I totally understand why people read the first book and they're like, it's not for me. Because, like, they just have no idea what the second and third books yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah, Red Rising is tough. But I would obviously love to talk Red Rising with you. But, yeah, I think it has to be We Break Immortals just because it's well, such a, like, anytime I can get somebody to read that book, I will. And all right, I'm, really I'm moving glad. it up, moving it up. <laughs> that means basically I'll be moving it up higher than my Malazan books because you know, <laughs> those are waiting for me to finish yeah. and other things have interjected. And if I'm going to have it done by July 15th, I'll have to put it ahead of a whole bunch of those other Malazan books. Sorry, Steve Erickson. That's just what's happening. <laughs> I think you're going to get to the end of We Break Immortals and you'll be like, that was one of the best books I ever read. Well, good. Yeah. Good. That's what we always, always hope for. Yeah. I don't think you'll feel that way about finishing the Codex Alera book. I think you will feel like though, Hey, that was fun. Yeah. I liked that. Right. That was cool. I'm going to read the next one, but nice. it's not the best thing you've ever sure. read kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, and, but I think I thought it was funny that you said that thing about hell divers, because that was probably the one, I mean, uh, it was like Silo, Helldivers, and then ah, Theories of Color. Right. Well, I hope um, you will read Helldivers. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. think I will because so. And I, it's a great audiobook. The, the, I, oh, okay. the narration is done really well. Nice. Uh, who, who is the guy? Uh, R.C. Bray. Oh, yeah. Okay. You've done some R.C. Bray, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure he's the one that does Helldivers too. I, I saw you posting stuff about Helldivers for a long time, and I mm -hmm. thought that. It was some sort of futuristic thing about diving into this, like diving with like a suit into the sea for treasure or something. I had no idea. Sort of, yeah. yeah. So like, like I had no idea that there was airships and this radiation and, and all that stuff. Um, and it just, it sounds really interesting. And, and Silo is like, Silo is a guaranteed read. Like I, I might, I might read that in like two books from now. Just there you go. It, so it cool. is so good. Yeah, <laughs> you you won't regret that at all. I, I think we're done, and we can stick a pin in it. Yeah, you don't have to stick a pin in it when it's done. That's when you're just pausing. Yeah, sticking a pin in it is for like we'll we'll come back to this. Right, but we will well, come back to this by July fifteenth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, dude. I want to mention to my people again. Be sure to like subscribe if you haven't done that yet and uh watch all the credit things i throw on here at the end all the ways you can interact with zach and i discord the various socials 
we also have a Patreon page, you know, so you can become one of our supporters there and get some special perks, Patreon only episodes and, and such like that. And I want to say thanks to Spencer for being here. It's been fun. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Next time. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.